What's the story behind the story? We'll find out on Dropping In. Our guests are today's original thinkers, conversations that spark new ways of seeing what's going on. We bring it all to the table. Diverse perspectives, controversy, loving, and singular voices. Magically, stories reveal the common threads that link us. Experience the joys, the fist pumps, the detours, and the hard-won truths of those who blaze the trail so that we might do the same. And now, here's your host, Diane Dewey. Welcome to Dropping In, everyone. We're here in the year of the tiger and looking with tiger's eyes as to what's the way forward on some of our dearest held projects, like writing a book. The first question in everyone's mind is, do I need an agent? How do I go about finding an agent? What does an agent do and not do? Here to answer our questions is April Everhart of April Everhart Literary, herself an agent to many winning authors and a writer's conference impresario. Welcome, April. Great to have you with us. Thank you, Diane. I'm delighted to be here. Well, full, full disclosure, April uh, is my agent for Fixing the Fates, uh, my book. And April, you are awesome. So um, I'm delighted that you can give us a, um, a personal perspective. Uh, and you are the first in our initiation of the dropping in to your writing series of conversations. So would you give us a, a broad brush view of just what the responsibilities of a book agent are in this ever-changing publishing world? I'd be happy to. Uh, I should say that I am probably uh, not representative of agents broadly. I call myself a literary change agent because uh, since I got into this business, which is about 10 years ago, it's been clear to me that uh, the publishing world is changing and continues to change on a daily basis. And what worked uh, 10, 5, 2 years ago uh, is now evolving. So, for example, Diane, uh, traditional publishing was normally the route that most authors sought. And in order to be traditionally published, one needs an agent, and an agent acts as a broker between the author and the publisher, matching up projects written with publishers interested in publishing them. And that does still happen to some degree. But uh, in the last several years, we have had quite an evolution, including hybrid publishing, which is essentially a partnership between the author and a publisher, sometimes involving an agent, sometimes not. Of course, there's the big wide world of self-publishing, which becomes more interesting daily, which we can talk about in a little bit. But my philosophy overall is one that uh, Virginia Woolf put well. She said, so long as you write what you wish to write, that is all that matters. And I really do believe that, uh, specifically for authors who want to be able to get words on the page that they have thought about for a long while, but for whatever reason have not had the opportunity to write. And when you're um, speaking about, uh, you know, we were writing what, you know, the, I think the Virginia Woolf um, is to the point of many writers um, who question mm -hmm. the viability of even what they're writing. I guess what mm -hmm. I would love to know is, it, is what grabs you as an agent? What gets you out of your seat uh, to say, oh, my God, 
I, I have to, I have to connect this person, this person's manuscript with the right publishing house. Mm-hmm. Well, I think my first test is as a reader, is this something that I find riveting? And that's usually a, a combination of characters, character development, char- character arc, uh, some level of plot, and uh, a fairly quick pace. I find that that, because we are all inundated now with so much media and there's so much competition for our attention, um, having something that has a a fairly quick pace is important. And I I think it's becoming more important after uh, the the COVID lockdown, the times that we've all spent by ourselves, relatively isolated. I think there's a much higher need for a quick pace in in any kind of project. Um, I think for nonfiction projects, uh, something very contemporary is important. Uh, recently, I've represented books having to do with aging, uh, specifically how to uh, look at and handle the last third of one's life, which is often from 60 to 90 and sometimes beyond it. Um, there have been other books having to do with... Uh, well, all sorts of things, but the point is that I think in order to attract a publisher, but more importantly to attract readers, a book needs to be, uh, again, have interesting characters, a compelling plot, and a fairly quick pace to keep the reader engaged. Great. Um, I noticed uh, in in looking at um, a reference that you shared with me, and that is um, Jane Friedman. Uh, she mm-hmm. she has a she has a very good um, section on um, finding uh, a literary agent for your book, and she notes that eighty percent of books published by New York houses get sold by literary agents. What mm-hmm. about what about these other models that you mentioned, like hybrid publishing? Uh, and when is it appropriate to seek a hybrid publisher versus? a traditional publisher? Well, I think that therein lies the big question. Uh, an increasing uh, portion of my time now is spent, rather than traditional agenting, consulting with authors to talk about the whole range of options available to them. And most authors I represent are, are women between age, say, 40 and up, 40 and 90, let's say. Some of them are even more than that. But for some, for many, uh, a traditional route is, may not be the best route, in part because the industry, the traditional industry, looks for certain types of things. Fads come and go, and fads tend to rule the moment. For uh, women or any authors, writing something that may not align directly with a current trend or fad, uh, sometimes the, the process of going through an agent, submitting to many publishers, uh, enduring rejection after rejection is not something that is palatable to them. And so in that case, many will turn to either a hybrid publishing model, which can be uh, much more quick and and get the book to market sooner, and in many cases, uh, self-publishing. In fact, I I represent an author whom I have great regard for. I've represented her for many years. She was originally traditionally published, um, she then moved to a hybrid model, and she is now um, self-publishing her entire series because she feels that her chances of reaching her readers 
and uh, controlling the distribution and so forth of her book will be much stronger if she pursues a self-publishing option. So she's a good case study in someone who has really tried all three routes and has now decided that self-publishing will serve her and her readers best. And could you comment on um, residuals, the amount that a an author can hope to retain in a traditional publishing model versus self-publishing? I hear that um, authors, you know, seek to have, yes, this control, but also to, to simply make a greater share. Is that the case here? And it's interesting to me that you're also agenting a self-publishing uh, author. This, both are fascinating. Well, I should clarify that I, uh, I will continue to agent this author uh, with respect to uh, translation rights. When, when we try to uh, place a book in foreign markets in a different language, an agent is still required. So I will continue to agent her from a foreign rights perspective. But in terms of her self-publishing, that is something that she will be reaping the full profits of, and I endorse that with my full blessing. Uh, again, my goal is to enable an author to publish in the, in the very best way possible for her that there may not have a financial aspect to me, uh, but to her it does. And to your question, Diane, traditional publishing normally pays a royalty of 8 to 10% might be a little bit more if, if uh, the publisher sells thousands of books, which doesn't happen very often, unfortunately. Whereas in a hybrid model, uh, the author retains anywhere from 30 to 80%, depending on the format, whether it's e-format, print format, hardcover, etc., cetera, uh, versus uh, 100% in self-publishing. And that, of course, is after the author's publishing costs, which she bears. But there's obviously a very, very big differential between 8 to 10% and 80 to 100%. And again, my, one of my goals is to help and enable authors to make money off of their books as opposed to have it being part of the, the big publishing machine, which again does a good job in some cases, but uh, it, there's very little left over from a profit uh, perspective for authors. Mm-hmm. And do you feel as though um, self-publishing becomes a more viable option once an author has established a name for herself? Um, in this case, it sounds as though the author ha- went out into the marketplace, had achieved some recognition, and then moved to self-publishing. What about if you're brand, brand new? It's a good point. I think having an established name and an established series in the market is certainly helpful. Uh, and from a, a debut, a new author's perspective, it's very difficult because you are starting from ground zero. That said, uh, there are so many ways to develop one's platform, which is really online awareness, and that would include social media, but it also includes old-fashioned, one-on-one uh, marketing efforts, and I continue to find that among the group of authors I represent and consult with, that there are huge benefits to actually conducting in-person um, or a Zoom these days, but some sort of one-on-one conversation with authors 
and I call it the, the three concentric circles of, of audience. The first one is obviously friends and family. When you decide to publish your book, well ahead of that time, you want to let friends and family know that you are publishing and gain their support and have them pre-order the book, um, have them agree to come to readings, and very importantly, tell other people about it. We're still very much a word-of-mouth uh, society and certainly within the, the readership uh, world. The second concentric circle is your contacts and colleagues, people who you know less well but are, are people who are friendly and you know and they will support you in your effort. And then, of course, the third concentric circle is utter strangers, but those circles feed upon one another. So you begin with the, the close-in friends and family. Uh, you then contact your your. Uh, acquaintances, and they will in turn contact theirs, and then all of a sudden you find your book being uh, purchased, read, and reviewed by utter strangers. So it's really a combination of a a number of different uh, efforts in order to uh, get the word out there. And the other thing I'll add is that even with traditional uh, authors who are traditionally published, I now urge almost insist, that any author I work with hire an outside publicist, because even if you are published with Random House or Simon & Schuster, if you are a relatively unknown author or a first-time author, the amount of publicity that you will receive from your traditional publishing house is very, very slim. Mm -hmm. And therefore, it really takes a village, it really takes a team to get word of the book out there. So I always urge authors, regardless of how they publish, to consider... Um, hiring a publicist who can help her get word out. Uh, I think that that is such sound advice as the services provided by traditional publishing houses does seem to be diminishing. Um, And I also, but but before we decry the whole establishment, um, what, what about the finished product in terms of traditional publishing houses um, who, who again, may become much more selective due to the models that they need to, uh, you know, they need to sell books. So if a a book has had a success, there's a certain formula to that book and maybe other books don't get quite the receptivity. But what about the finished product? I mean, we know that there are lots of self-published books out there that just don't quite look like you would expect a book to look. Um, uh-huh. How do you compensate for that? Well, it's a good question. And uh, again, part of my um, consulting uh, speech to any author is, regardless of how you publish, you absolutely have to have a top-notch book in terms of production quality and above all cover. People judge a book by its cover. They buy a book by its cover. They will read it according to its cover. So having a really top-notch cover uh, is critical regardless of which method an author chooses. And even if uh, an author is going out with an ebook first, even that small thumbnail view of the cover online speaks volumes to readers. We've all learned to interpret visual cues uh, fairly well. And in looking at a book, many people decide instantly from the cover whether or not it's something that they want to read. And so it's really essential that your book. Uh, have a beautiful cover, and very importantly, convey the kind of book that it is. Uh, mm-hmm. For a romance, there's a standard look. For a Western, there's a standard look. For literary fiction, there are a range of standard looks. And so you want to make sure that your book, in terms of color, uh, image, 
typeface, etc., conveys to a reader that this is a book that she will want to read. Beyond that, the production value is very important. You want to use the proper, if you're doing a print version, you want to use uh, an appropriate paper, both weight and, and color. There's, there's ivory and there's cream, and they each send a different message. You want mm-hmm. to choose the right typeface. So there are many, many details that go into production. But for authors who uh, learn the business and understand the business and end up self-publishing or working with a hybrid publisher, they know how to publish a book that is truly first-rate, and they work with their publisher, whoever it is, whether it's a hybrid publisher or their own team, to make sure that their book is every bit as good as a quote-unquote real book, meaning traditionally published. Mm-hmm. And it sounds as though your role, um, agenting has taken on new dimensions towards the consulting aspect of helping people get their book out. It's so interesting and valuable to those listeners who, who may have a book on their hard drive that, that, that they're you know contemplating. The other thing to think about, because I hear you saying, you know, a good book design, a, a good book jacket, a publicist. What are the costs associated these days? We have just a couple of minutes to the break, but let's let's talk turkey about this. To try to do a book through a hybrid publisher or even self-publishing, what what are the kinds of costs involved that you could predict? Well, um, I'll be brief, and then after the break, we can talk in more detail. But all of the steps that a traditional publisher does to produce a book need to be replicated by an author who is working with a hybrid or self-publishing. And that would include three levels of editorial work, including a developmental edit, a line edit, and then a proofread. And you really can't scrimp on those because if a book, particularly a self-published book, has any typos, any errors, people tend to look at it and say, see, this is why self-publishing isn't legitimate. Mm-hmm. So it drags down the entire category. Uh, but certainly uh, design, both the interior design of the book as well as the cover design, uh, the publicity, all of those things need to be done well. They need to be done, and they need to be done well. And it really requires an author learning the business in order to do that properly and have a book that is going to shine for its readers. And the cost is not insubstantial. I find that most authors spend, regardless of which method they are being published, they will spend anywhere from 5000 to 20000 and up, depending on who they hire for a publicist, uh, whether they hire outside help to achieve the kind of book that we want. Again, well-edited, beautifully done, properly laid out, etc. But I find it is an investment. And I encourage authors to think about that right up front, that this is going to be an investment in their writing and their writing career, uh, and it's something that is critical um, to do. So there, there usually is a cost to publishing, even if Random House makes you an offer tomorrow. If you want to get your book out there, you will need to hire a publicist and perhaps some other resources. It's changed a lot. Um, we are going to, and thank goodness you're here to interpret these events for us, April Eberhardt. We are going to take a commercial break. And when we come back, we're going to hear about some of the more radical forms of publishing. Do they entail these kinds of costs, these investments? And what can we expect from 
just new forms of publishing and old. Don't go away. We'll be right back on Dropping In. Become our friend on Facebook. Post your thoughts about our shows and network on our timeline. Visit Facebook.com forward slash Voice America. She Writes Press is an independent publishing company founded for women writers everywhere. Together with sister company Spark Press, serving men and women, it is both mission-driven and community-oriented. The aim is to serve writers who wish to maintain greater ownership and control of their projects while getting the highest quality editorial help possible, traditional distribution, and an in-house marketing and publicity team. In 2019, She Writes Press was named Indie Publisher of the Year. You can find out more on SheWritesPress.com. Stimulating talk gets those synapses in your brain firing really fast. All the time. The number one internet talk station where your opinion counts. VoiceAmerica.com. You are listening to Dropping In with Diane Dewey. We'd love to hear from you if you have a question or comment about the show. Send us an email to Diane at DianeDewey.com. That's Diane at DianeDewey.com. Now, back to Dropping In. Welcome back, everyone. We've just been hearing about the somewhat staggering costs of publishing, even if you go the traditional route. And that reality check is an important one, courtesy of our expert here today, April Eberhardt of April Eberhardt Literary. Um, April, there are things that we can do that don't cost money. And one of them you suggested earlier about building your platform, getting your email list together, getting your social media presence together. Sometimes that does involve having uh, a, a consultant or a contractor as well, but there are certain things that we can do. And one of them occurred uh, recently um, to an author that we both know, and do you want to describe her process, which was really remarkable, her journey? Oh, I, I'd be delighted, Diane. Um, the author we're, we're discussing here, and who, for whom I have enormous admiration, is Liz Keller Whitehurst, who wrote a book called Messenger. And uh, Messenger is a really interesting book. Uh, I'll urge you to, to look it up. I won't go. I won't describe the premise here, but it, it crosses a lot of lines in terms of category. It is what I'd call women's book club fiction. It has an inspirational uh, element to it. It was it was enough of a hybrid book in terms of content that when we took it to traditional publishers, they didn't know where to shelve it. This is how publishers look at work, traditional publishers. They want to know what shelf the book will go on. And if it doesn't clearly fit on uh, book club fiction, inspirational, self-help, it needs, to, it ha- needs to fit one category. And I personally enjoy books like Liz's, uh, Liz Whitehurst's Messenger because it does cross categories. It's a very complex and rich book in any event. After we tried some traditional publishers, and they all said, this is wonderful, but we don't know what shelf we put it on, uh, Liz made the very uh, wise decision to share this book as a podcast. Uh, she herself undertook hiring a team and going out with her book uh, section by section, 
episode by episode as a podcast, and it really caught on. And she developed a really quick, a good following very quickly. Since then, Liz has published her book with a very highly regarded uh, hybrid press, and the combination of the hybrid press plus the podcast plus a marvelous publicist um, who she is working with has really uh, floated the boat, so to speak. I have been absolutely thrilled, and I hope Liz has been too, at seeing how well the book has sold. The other beauty of this is because she is not traditionally published, it doesn't have a shelf life, so to speak. So to the extent that Liz continues to uh, hold events, both Zoom and in person, uh, reach out to others, and word spreads, the book will continue to sell. And I think that's a huge advantage to, uh, first of all, publishing in a non-traditional way. There is no, there's no time limit on your book, but also her ingenious idea of releasing this as a podcast initially has really, really, I think, helped uh, the book's visibility and its popularity. And I, I wish her all the best. I think she is a, a shining example of an author who thought in some non-traditional ways and decided to take a risk by podcasting at first, followed by publication. And I, I, I see big success in her future, continuing success. Absolutely. And because she published as a podcast, that was the attractor, right, to the hybrid publishers. They saw the traction she was getting in terms of the number of downloads and then okay. brought her on as an author. The publicist is someone we we don't um, hear the commercials when we're speaking uh, here, but on dropping in um, Books Forward uh, is the publicist for Liz Whitehurst, and they do um, also advertise on dropping in. So um, they are part of a team that that can help um, bring about the presence that would then attract another kind of publisher if that becomes uh, a goal. The other thing, uh, April, about there's two things I want to touch on with Liz's example, and we've had Liz as a guest. We can also bring her back to talk about her experience because right now she has become a speaker um, to this process because she upended the process in terms of the traditional path by, by going ahead. And as she said, she had to tell her story. She had to, she couldn't wait. So uh -huh. um, I think she went through a long process uh, with you trying to, you know, traditionally represent her and then said, I can't wait any longer. Um, I think the other, so she's now developed a presence, which will, according to what you're saying, will help her in her future books. Are we correct there that, you know, she becomes an author presence now? Yes, that's correct. It helps her with her future book, but also with her current book and the message, so to speak, of her first title, Messenger. And uh, one of the things that's been delightful to see has been the number of uh, both speaking engagements as well as articles. Uh, Writer's Digest, which is very selective about whom they invite in, uh, recently featured an article about Liz describing her process of beginning with a podcast and going to publishing and again, being the, the brilliant and articulate author she is, this has just been uh, marvelous in terms of not only educating but also inspiring other authors to try, to consider trying different methods to tell their story. And as you said, Liz felt she, she couldn't wait. She did not want to wait to tell her story. She wanted to get it out there. 
And I would urge every author listening in today to think about that. Uh, you certainly can devote the time and energy uh, in finding an agent and then the agent finding a traditional publisher. And again, I'm part of that world and I'm, I'm thrilled to help you. But I, I see increasingly that authors who uh, end up being most successful, both from a personal perspective as well as a financial perspective, are those who move outside and beyond the traditional model and, and come up with ways to read their, reach their readers more directly and more quickly. And then all of a sudden, something happens and the effort begins to blossom. I call it the law of 100 little fires. You need to start a lot of little fires in the book business because you never exactly know which one is going to take off and, and really catch on. But Liz did that. She started with a podcast. She has, she has spoken many times. And two or three or four or five efforts have, have ended up uh, delivering some really great success for her. So my message is be, be bold. Be bold, be smart, talk to others, figure out how they are doing things. Don't feel constrained by the traditional agent to traditional publisher model. That might work for you, but it also might not. And so look at other options simultaneously. Good advice. And her success is well-deserved. I, I want to go back to to backtrack on how you and Liz met because people want to know how do I find an agent? Um, you know there uh-huh. there are there are resources, publishers, marketplace. Um, you know there should be like a match dot com for agents and and manuscripts, but uh-huh. I'm not sure that that's quite in effect. But how you met April? How you met Liz? was through another arm that you have grown in the industry, and that is writers' conferences. So, so tell us what happened. She, she came to a writers' conference that you organized in France, and then you got to talk. Well, I'll scroll back even further. I actually met Liz several years ago at a, uh, a traditional writers' conference called the James River Writers' Conference in Richmond, Virginia. And prior to the pandemic which, of course, has shut all this down. Uh, I tried to attend five, six, even ten writers' conferences around the country. And the, the main feature of a writers' conference is for authors to meet agents. There are typically a whole bunch of agents at these events, and they engage in speed dating and one-on-one talks and so forth. But I initially met Liz through the James River Writers' Conference and stayed in touch. At that point, I don't think Messenger was evolved as, as far as it uh, became. Then, uh, you're right, Diane, I am now uh, running a number of writers' retreats. I will be offering three retreats in France this summer. Uh, I think each of them has one or two places left. They've already filled, and we haven't even advertised them yet. But these retreats are a perfect opportunity for authors like Liz to sit down and talk with other authors and really workshop their manuscripts. And uh, Diane, you know this, you've been a participant in La Poterie Writers Retreats in France. We- but I, I choose no more than, than six women. And it's all, these are all women, nothing against men, but I like really to work with women primarily because women's voices tend to be up underrepresented in the, in the publishing world. And so six uh, women and two instructors sit down and we have a full week of workshopping all authors' manuscripts. And so it really is a very detailed, focused, intimate way to take your manuscript and work it from sometimes just the concept into something that really has legs. And Liz 
has participated in La Poterie, and I think, uh, first of all, was a wonderful participant in terms of her own generosity and, and providing help and, and valuable feedback to other authors. And in return, I think received a lot of support and, and assistance from the authors there. And that is that was the genesis of her manuscript. It developed. It took it it, it took a flight. We decided to try it in the traditional world, and the rest is history. But it was very much a result of initially meeting Liz at the James River Writers Conference years ago, inviting her to the writers' retreat. She graciously accepted, and I think that experience has really been uh, instrumental in in helping her develop not only the the manuscript itself, but also the confidence that this is a story that matters, that it needs to be out in the world. Again, as Virginia Woolf says, so long as you write what you wish to write, that is all that matters. But she was also determined to find a way to introduce it to its readers. And and she has done that with huge success. The book is uh, Messenger by Liz Keller Whitehurst. And I, I do recommend it. I do think it's an important book. And it does come straight from the heart. Uh, Liz has quite an enormous uh, range and depth herself. She studied writing for a, a long period. And um, this is her first foray. So we look forward to more from Liz. I also thought um, I ought to ask you... Let's talk about um. This was a sort of overarching. Um, you know, you're 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 developing your your manuscript, your story, and you're growing it. And then there's the networking aspect of writers' conferences. What about other ways of meeting an agent? How you would link up? Okay, so you go to you go to a conference or a workshop, um, and you are able to meet agents. What about in the pandemic world where we're not having close contact? And how do you, what's the criteria that you use? Is it genre? Is it chemistry? Is it a combination of all of the above? How would you recommend it? Well, you raise a good question. I think since the pandemic has begun, it's been very, very difficult, uh, if not impossible, to meet agents in person. And I think conferences have always been very helpful because there's a certain chemistry. There's not just a, a matchup on between agent list and genre, which, of course, is important. Uh, for example, I don't represent thrillers or romance or a lot of things, so that wouldn't, you know, it isn't something that would be conducive to a matchup at a conference. I think the very best uh, resource now is called Publishers Marketplace. And Publishers Marketplace is a database that records traditional deals. Sometimes they record a few non-traditional deals. I've reported some hybrid deals from time to time. But Publishers Marketplace is very good as a source of figuring out who the agents are, which agents represent which types of genre, what deals they have done. It tells you specifically every day there's a daily deal sheet that says, you know, April Eberhardt sold such and such rights to this publisher for this author. And it's a great way. It's something that is really worth the, I think it's $25 a month. And I think it's really worth every author's time and investment to subscribe at least for a couple of months to really study um, the industry as it is right now, um, who the top agents are. You, could, you can sort by category. So you can figure out who the top 50 agents are in the romance genre. 
um, which agents have, have done, you know, six or seven figure deals in the last year. It's a, it's a treasure trove of data. And so I would say try that first. Go to Publishers Marketplace, subscribe, get the premium edition because that allows you to cross sort and cross search and so forth. And by spending some time on that, you'll get a very good sense of which agents are probably the most suitable for your kind of work. Um, now, again, having said that, uh, we as agents are inundated, and it would be wonderful to be able to represent everyone, but not a day goes by when I don't get a dozen or two dozen or more queries from authors via email, and I just can't, you know, as one agent, I can't handle them all. One agent can only handle so many authors. And so uh, approaching them in a random way may or may not yield results. So two other sites that I would strongly suggest, in addition to Publishers Marketplace, are agentquery.com, just as it sounds, agentquery.com, and then querytracker.com. Mm-hmm. And we can post these on your website, Diane, if you think it would be helpful. Those sites focus specifically on agents who are currently looking for new clients. And so that is probably your best bet to approach authors who are, uh, excuse me, agents who are listed there who are looking for new authors in specific genres. So I would recommend all three, Publishers Marketplace, AgentQuery.com, and QueryTracker.com. Great. Uh, and we also welcome uh, comments and questions uh, from listeners. You can uh, post them to me, uh, to april at aprileberhardt.com. Eberhardt is E-B-E-R-H-A-R-D-T.com. And, um, you know, we, we welcome, we welcome the, um, the, you know, the panic, the, um, the searching, the, um, you know, just the, the request for guidance, because we, we, we definitely understand. And the reason um, I just will mention query dot query tracker.com query then originates with the query letter that will go with your book proposal. And we can talk about the guts of what you do, what you put into an approach to an agent when you do find one. Don't go away. We're going to pause for a moment for a commercial break, but we'll be back with April Eberhardt. Voice America is on your favorite smart speaker. If you have Alexa or Google Home, go ahead and give us a try. Hey, Alexa, play Finding Your Frequency podcast on TuneIn. Books Forward exemplifies excellence in book marketing and promotion, representing New York Times bestsellers, national award-winning books, and books that catch fire on social media and in the digital realm. Books Forward creates ambitious campaigns with unlimited possibilities for sparking buzz while creatively cutting through the noise. Your book deserves to launch with experts who have set the bar in the industry. To learn more, visit booksforward.com or send us an email at info at booksforward.com. A JKS Communications Company. Streaming live. The leader in Internet talk radio. VoiceAmerica.com. You are listening to Dropping In with Diane Dewey. We'd love to hear from you if you have a question or comment about the show. 
send us an email to diane at dianedewey.com. That's diane at dianedewey.com. Now, back to Dropping In. Welcome back, everyone. We're here with April Everhart, and we're talking literary agents. Perhaps most importantly, um, agents can secure the best possible book deal for you, negotiate a fair contract, protect your rights, and ensure you're paid accurately and fairly. They run interference when necessary between you and the publisher. They also have inside contacts with specific publishers and know which editors are most likely to buy a particular work. I am quoting here from Jane Friedman, Electric Speed. So Friedman is F-R-I-E-D-M-A-N. How to find a literary agent for your book is this post. But she also has a great content post on building your query letter, your book proposal, which is in essence uh, a marketing plan for your book. How does it fit into the marketplace? What books and titles does it relate to? Genre. And then, April, I want to come back to the importance of focus and knowing the goals of the author. What you feel as though is the most additive value for as you for you as an agent in guiding an author. Okay. Um, well, again, I uh, while I do act as an agent, I like to think of myself more as a consultant or guide. Um, and again, I think it's because I I am very uh, familiar with and a big fan of other types of publishing, and so I find the really very best use of my time is uh, often working, talking with an author before she goes forward with her manuscript. She's got it done. She's got it edited. If she needs editorial help, I can direct her to some, some good editors. But once she feels she's got a manuscript ready to go, I then like to have a conversation about what are her goals and objectives. And for some, uh, fame and fortune is top of the list. And I always say, well, that's great. But deep, frankly, the chances, given that there are now over a million books published each year, and that's on top of all the millions that have been published prior to this year, it's very, very hard. Uh, the chances are slim that any one author will become famous and rich. And sometimes that happens. Again, I would love for every one of you to prove me wrong and call me next year and say, you know what, you were wrong. I'm now famous and rich, and uh, I did it through traditional publishing. But I would rather spend time uh, talking about other, other sources, other, other ways to publish, and I always like to come up with a plan A and a plan B for an author. And so A may be trying to find an agent who will try to find a traditional publisher. And again, I have great respect for traditional publishers, but I realize it's not, the, it's not everyone's cup of tea. And so if that is your plan A, that, if that aligns with your goals, then put a time limit on it. Try for, you know, six months to find an agent, do your very best, and then if you find an agent, give her six months to a year to find a publisher. And within that time, if it doesn't happen, be prepared to move on to Plan B. And for some, Plan B is finding a hybrid publisher. Um, Plan B may be self-publishing. There's also a model called collaborative publishing, whereby uh, writers groups often will get together and form their own imprint and publish the members' books. So there are lots of different ways. Mm-hmm. The thing about traditional publishing and finding an agent and the agent looking for 
a publisher is that it's, it's, there's a lot of downtime. There's a lot of waiting time. And so as a result, authors can begin to focus in on their plan B while they're enacting plan A. So in other words, if you have an agent and your agent is looking for a publisher, there will be long periods when she has submitted it to publishers and they are reading the manuscript and they haven't gotten back. That gives you, the author, time to look at other options to decide um, how best to approach plan B because to me the ultimate goal is to get your book into the hands of its rightful readers. And that may be a small group, it may be a medium group, but the objective is to get it out there. And I just hate to have people hang all of their hopes and dreams on traditional publishing uh, when in fact it may or may not happen. And if it does happen, it could be a long way in the future. And we're now, we're now in a very rapid period where I think people want to see results and, and seek satisfaction more quickly. You know, it, it's, I think the plan A and plan B, and probably there's a couple more that you can tease out in between. I just want to let uh-huh. people know that April, um, after 25 years as a corporate strategist and consultant, joined the literary world uh, as a head reader with Zoetrope, All Story, a literary magazine, and then followed by five years as an agent with two San Francisco-based literary agencies before finding founding your own, April Everhart Literary uh, you serve on advisory council for the American Library in Paris and is a reader for the best American short stories series published annually by Houghton Mifflin uh-huh. Harcourt. Um, that's that conjunction. There's there's like five, there's only five like traditional publishing houses any longer. Um, but you represent clients of many nationalities and present at conferences worldwide. It also uh-huh. is a replication of how writers and aspiring authors need to spread their presence, um, join in on events at local libraries, support local bookstores and the events that they sponsor for local authors, see what other authors, local authors are doing, how they handle their interview process, their publicity process. You can speak with them after their book presentation. Um, You know, really get into the granular of this, uh, I think also seems to be a helpful way. And you yourself, April, are represented on on many fronts that I think it seems, you know, really, really helpful. Um, You know, the writers' conferences, and I know you're involved with San Miguel Literary Salsa, another fantastic Uh event. And, you know, looking into resources on literary conferences is another venue. Um, I, I just can't help but think about I just want also our listeners to understand that this is a rapidly changing environment. And I will go back to our first conference together, April, which was crazily enough in 2015, seven years ago um, in in Tuscany, Italy, not not hard to (laughs) say yes to. Um, And and at that that conference, right, I remember one of the, um, you know, presenters. So you're getting really great high caliber authors who are teaching you at writers conferences, certainly at the ones that April sponsors and organizes. There are excellent, excellent teachers. And our teacher, um, I can just remember him telling us that he contacted a couple agents, you know, by phone, he rang them up in London where he was based. And then one responded, knocked on his door of his apartment, invited him to a liquid lunch and said, I'd like to represent your book. 
Is it safe to say, April, that these days are over? Oh, I think so, on many levels. <laughs> I would say that that's, that's not the way it happens. I mean, gee, wouldn't it be wonderful if it did? But primarily, it's, it's really on the author to find the right agent and the right publisher because, again, the industry, the traditional industry, including agents, are just overwhelmed with, uh, with submissions. And so it's very, very unlikely that that would happen. I would much rather see an author uh, develop a strategy. And, you know, you, you mentioned my background, Diane. Prior to getting into the literary world, I spent 20 years in the management consulting business, and my focus was uh, strategy. And so, to me, having a strategy is really what it's all about. Uh, it doesn't mean that it's going to be a cast and concrete strategy, but I feel, you know, they always say, if you don't know where you're going, you'll never get there. Having a strategy enables you as an author to know, again, what your plan A is, what your plan B is, what do you really want to get out of this ultimately. And uh, it's so important, I think, to, to have a clear fix on your strategy before you go into this grand adventure called publishing because it enables you to make smart choices throughout and end up in a place that you're relatively happy with. You know, everyone's fantasy is to sell the film rights to their book. Um, and mm-hmm. I, think, I think about an author that, you know, speaks at our low, at. Eckert Writers Conference, Writers in Paradise, um, Dennis Lehane, who has sold several books, um, Mystic River, Shutter Island, among them, Martin Scorsese Productions, and really excellent, um, you know, excellent films. But that likelihood is rather slim as well. Um, Dennis is now doing a lot of screenwriting. He wrote for The Wire um, and, and, and television writing. And I wonder if you could comment on, you know, this this idea of a strategy. And by the way, one of one of Dennis's, I think, best quotes is, um, you know, when you're sitting there and you're 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 a bundle of manuscript pages and you're wanting to know, you know, how to get it out there and becoming impatient. His advice to authors is, no one is waiting. There's no one out there waiting. They don't know about it. How can they be waiting for it? So you have to uh-huh. address all of those all of those fronts, and we have just you know just a few minutes um, be, before closing. But how do you address um, the fantasy, uh, the fantasies and the expectations? And are you able to partner in this idea of forming a strategy that your business experience informs your ability as an agent to guide? authors, potential authors? Yes. Again, that's, that's what I find myself doing most of and what I enjoy the most. And I think, that, frankly, is of the greatest value to authors that uh, any author has a career ahead of her. And so the question is, how do you best prepare for that? And I always like to say, uh, dream large, think small. So don't ever let go of your dreams that your book will be made into a feature film, translated into 20 languages, uh, that you'll be invited to, you know, speak on, on Oprah or you know, whatever the current program is. Um, but think small. In other words, in order to dream large and achieve something large, maybe not your original dream, but to achieve something large, think small. What are the first steps? What are the next three steps I need to take? If I run into a wall, if I find that I'm not succeeding with these next three steps, how can I re-divert 
and take a different path that will also lead me to a satisfactory conclusion. And so I think having a strategy is really what it is all about. I find the authors who are most successful do that. I mentioned earlier an author I represent uh, started out with uh, traditional publishing. Then as she wrote additional books, um, she some, bo- some titles were continued to be published traditionally, then she went hybrid, and now she is going to be taking her titles and and self-publishing. And I think it's really important. She has had her eye on the long game all along, and we talk quite regularly about it. And if something isn't working, we decide how we want to circumvent it and, and try something else. And it's really been through determination and smarts and her, her patience as well. You mentioned that a lot of people, we're all impatient. I think we're all waiting for something wonderful to happen, and that's as it should be. But having some patience and willingness to try different things, as Liz Keller Whitehurst did with her podcast, is really critical. And so I, I can't emphasize enough how important it is to have a strategy and find people who know the industry well and are willing to talk through the pros and cons of everything and work out a plan that is really right for you as an author so that you can get where you want to go. I think that's a very perfect note to leave on. And I think that you, April Eberhard, are a wonderful guide for those of us that you know, creating a strategy is like having a, creating a map going into the woods. We don't even know how to begin. So, again, many thanks to you for joining us today, April, and thank you for kicking off the new Dropping Into Your Story segment. Thanks to our engineers, Matt Widener and Aaron Keller, to our executive producer, and to our station manager, Robert Cialino. Most of all, to you, our listeners, remember to stay safe and find a way to tell your story. Till next week, thank you for dropping in. Thank you so much for dropping in. Please join Diane Dewey again next Friday at 8 a.m. Pacific Time and 11 a.m. Eastern Time on the Voice America Variety Channel. We'll see you then. 